0: It's ranuncula season. I don't know if you know about ranunculas. But anyway, they're my favorite flower. Yesterday, like, took my daughter. I was like, we are on the hunt for ranunculas. And we went to find them. Yeah, I just love the way they look. And I'm not going to feel guilty. They're in this beautiful blue vase. And every time I see them, I just, (sighs) oh, this is life. We're alive. It's good.
1: Hello listeners of The Lonely Hour. This is your host, creator, producer, etc., Julia Bainbridge. I'm experimenting with something new here, a mini series that I'm calling Inner Lives. In an era when we're seemingly busier than ever, we're inundated with content, we're performing on social media. How do people maintain their inner lives? There are plenty of columns out there dealing with how to manage emails, commutes, and chores, and relationships with colleagues, friends, and family members, and I love reading them. But as I do so, I find myself thinking, what about our relationships with ourselves? Now, defining inner life isn't easy, but I think of it as the private self, the self we deal with during times of mental repose, during times when we're alone. The strength of our inner lives often affects that of our outer lives. I'll hopefully come to a better understanding as I learn more along with you by talking to the four authors who will participate in this series. So let's get to it. My first guest, whose voice you heard at the top of this episode, is Manoush Zomorodi. She's the host of the Note to Self podcast, which explores technology's impact on us, and the author of Bored and Brilliant, a book in which she makes the case for rethinking our digital habits and being more purposeful about putting boredom into our lives it occurred to me that I was never bored anymore since I'd gotten an
0: iPhone. It made me wonder if these very human states, if we got rid of them, what would we be missing? Like we never wrote on our schedule, spend time being bored. Then I thought, well, maybe we have to start writing it down. You know, you don't write on your schedule, spend time on your phone. We just do that all the time now. It made me think
1: there are human things that we are sort of weeding out of our lives, and maybe that's not such a good thing. One statistic in particular stood out to Manoush.
0: A decade ago, we, on average, switched tasks every three minutes, and now we switch tasks, on average, every 45 seconds.
1: She spoke to neuroscientists and cognitive psychologists who explained that multitasking is a myth. What we're really doing when we think we're simultaneously watching a show and sending a tweet and listening to a friend talk about her day is we're switching between these tasks. And every time we switch, we use up glucose in our brains. We have limited amounts of that stuff. And the way we're switching these days, we burn through it fast. So if we don't want to drain ourselves, we've got to focus on one task at a time. Somebody who's knitting, you make the initial
0: pearl And then you connect the next one and you have to hold it in place so you can loop the other thing around, right? You have to be able to hold these ideas and string them together. Writers, this sounds probably very familiar. It's why you need that, again, you need the mental space because you're connecting everything together to make something new. That's creativity. If you are trying to do that and tweet, you just can't.
1: You just can't. It's not physically possible. Beyond this single-tasking, there's boredom. Our brain's default mode network, which is the neurological basis for the self, lights up when we allow our minds to just wander wherever they want to go. That's when the good stuff
0: starts to happen. That's when you do the deeper thinking. You don't just do the surface work, tick things off your to-do list. This is when you really crack a problem whether it's a a relationship that is struggling or uh, a career that you're rethinking or even smaller things like what should you make for dinner instead of just buying takeout if you like allow your mind to travel through all the cupboards as you're riding the subway home you might come up with something kind of weird and cool this idea of giving yourself space to just think I don't think I would have said that sentence a decade ago, but now many of us find that we really need it and we need to prioritize it and we shouldn't feel guilty or that we're not being productive because the science and the data and the stories that I have collected certainly back up this very precious mental space that we need. So, Manoush, how do you find this space? I used to have it in my life a lot until I had kids. And then your life just becomes very full. <laughs> and it's really one of the hardest things I, I struggle with in that my introversion is not conducive to family life, you know. I am a person who craves solitude. I had too much of it in my life in my 20s. I think I was lonely and not in a good way. It's weird to think that this was pre-social media, right? So how did you meet people? For someone who's, I know it's crazy to think, but I am actually kind of shy, that was hard for me to meet. Like, So I went to college in Washington, D.C., and then I stayed there to work at the BBC's Washington Bureau. Um, I was the youngest producer in the entire office, and I worked my butt off you know I'm a person who will really get into work and just pour my everything into it which meant that I didn't have any energy left to figure out my personal life a lot of the time I'm not on Facebook personally but you know I wonder if it would have been different if I could have more easily joined a group that was doing kayaking on the Potomac or something like that It's crazy to think of, but in the late 90s, you really had to seek out social situations or you had to rely on serendipity, which was how I met some people. It's good to have friends outside of work. I
1: didn't have much time to do that, so it was hard. So now you have a husband, two children, a job that involves public speaking. It's a challenge, I imagine, to find time for yourself and for this deeper thinking. When are you successful there? What does your inner life look like?
0: When I jog, much as I should be listening to everybody else's podcasts, I don't. I just listen to my my little slow footsteps. It kind of lulls me in my mind. The first ten minutes usually suck, but then after that I inevitably work something out in my brain. 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 In my brain. Or I'll wake up really early. I hate it when people say that, but I will. I will wake up early so I can be in the house when it's quiet. I like that. I like being in the house when it's quiet. Like when we're folding laundry and just kind of spacing out. And actually, that is where some of our most creative and original thinking happens, and where we do something called autobiographical planning look back at your life you take note of the highs and lows and you build yourself you write a story you tell yourself the story of you how we are sitting right here now i'm speaking to you julia and you are listening and other people are listening there's a story that got us here and then you start to think about where you're going to go next where you're going to go next where you're going to go next
1: Thank you to Manoush for spending time with us. Please check out her Note to Self podcast, which you can find on Luminary. I hope you like this series so far. Again, I'm playing around a bit, and I hope that you keep tuning in. Otherwise, you can email me at lonelyhourpodcasts at gmail.com. You can reach me on Twitter and Instagram at lonelypodcast, or you can find me on the Lonely Hour's Facebook page. Sign up for our newsletter at thelonelyhour.com, and you'll be the first to know when more episodes of both projects drop. And as we always say here at the Lonely Hour, which, by the way, will be back, enjoy yourself. This episode was produced by me, Julia Bainbridge, and mixed and sound designed by Keith J. Nelson.